0: just a camera. <laughs> it's You wouldn't know what that feels like. <laughs> week after week after week there was a tripod standing like on the chairs right there with a camera and that's what I looked into and uh and delivered the message but but deliver it uh we did, right? And we got the messages. We hopefully were ministered to. Um, not because of any lack of or abundance of anything other than the very Word of God, because it's the Word of God that doesn't return void. It accomplishes what God intends for it to accomplish in our lives. But we got to read it. we got to study it. we got to meditate on it, and we need to memorize it, too. We need to understand it. Um, I want to uh, first start out with um, just... Uh, glorifying the lord he is truly faithful um throughout this whole time the lord has done a, a magnificent amazing awesome work in each and every one of us and and just give glory to the lord i am so appreciative personally um of him because, in this sense to where he's worked in the hearts of all the leadership here and he's done a, a work in them to where they they took that lead and helped um you know really continue um, the work that the Lord has begun here. And so, um, so for that, I just give praise to the Lord for, for that. And, um, and also for his, for his provision for, he, you know, from the beginning of this church, um, he has been faithful to provide exactly what we need. And, you know, th- th- with this whole, uh, COVID thing and, and what we've experienced, uh, we've changed the way we we're doing things. Um, And one of the things that we are going to, you know, always have on hand, not that we haven't before, we've had it all the way up to this point, is hand sanitizer. You know, maybe we missed it, though, and, you know, but there is normally some hand sanitizer at the very entrance and somewhere here in the sanctuary and and in the children's ministry and each and every room. So there's hand sanitizer everywhere, but we need more of it. And so we... um, uh, we did uh, put in an order last week. What was it? Was it Saturday? It was Saturday, huh? Yeah. yeah. So Saturday we put in a, uh, an order for the um, the kind, not the gel, but a five-gallon drum um, so that that way we, it could go into spray bottles and we can spray it onto our hands, you know, and, and use it. And um, so um, the owner of, it was Pacific, Bulk Ethanol Company, and they're located where? They're in Norwalk. Norwalk. So, uh, Jeff, the owner. It, it's interesting how the Lord does this, and this I just want to share this with you because, um, as you think about it, it's just a move of the Lord. We were um, we were here. The leadership was here. We were discussing. We were going through and, and planning out how uh, Wednesday would look, or really Sunday would look like, and, and then we went from there and, and modeled that, um, and modeled tonight after that. But we were talking about everything that we would need to have in place, some of the things that we um, we still have need of, and sanit- hand sanitizer was, was one of them. And so you know how it is uh, to get hand sanitizer now, right? It's like close to impossible. If you don't make it to Stater Brothers first thing in the morning when they they first open up and get one of their bottles that <laughs> that's up on the shelf you, you just don't get any hand sanitizer. Well, we place the order and uh, and Jeff, the owner of this business, not only did he personally deliver the five gallons of hand sanitizer, but on top of that he threw in another ten gallons so he delivered fifteen gallons of this, and he donated the ten gallons to the church. So we paid for five, but yeah. So may God bless him and may have favor in the Lord. He is a brother in Christ, and so uh, I just, I just want to, you know, again glorifying the Lord because I know uh, someone who's walking with the Lord. We know we deflect the glory to the Lord, we give it to Him, and so uh, for him he. He was not willing to receive anything above and beyond what we had already given him. And uh, he just simply wanted to donate and bless Refuge Bible Fellowship here in Riverside. And so, um, so and, and that's just one of the things. I mean, there's, there's so many things that, that happen. And uh, like, you know, we just celebrated 10 years in November, 10 years as a church, and uh as we we said in the celebration we could go i mean if we really think about the things that the lord has done um we could we could spend like the rest of our time the rest of the year surely we could have just sat there and just talked about it and just just relished in in god's faithfulness and his love and his grace and his mercy and his, uh, his faithfulness all of that so it's just wonderful when we see it once again once again we see it every day but but that was just something special now that um that last song that we sung, um, you know, I was thinking about how it is that we get into that place with the Lord to where we're so intimate with him that we love to consider his presence. We consider the time that we are in his word and in a time of prayer in such a way that it is the best thing that we can experience this side of heaven, you know. Uh, as much as we love others, as much as we enjoy doing certain things, there's nothing at the point that we really understand our relationship with Jesus Christ. There's nothing, there's nothing that comes close with knowing that, that peace that we have in him because we have the hope of eternally being in God's glory by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And therefore, as we're certain of our, our salvation as we are coming to understand the love that he has for us, we begin to really appreciate that intimate time that we spend with the Lord. There's nothing like it. This morning, I was in the backyard early in the morning, and, and, uh, and I, I just, I went to go water the, the garden because I don't want the vegetables to die that are finally growing, and uh, and just kind of walked around. But um, one of the first things that I built in the backyard was this waterfall. And uh, if you've ever been to my house, it's kind of like it goes out and then it goes up into a hill. And um, so I, I saw as soon as we saw that house and before we even bought it, I thought the waterfall is going to go right there. And that's the first thing that I built. I built the waterfall. And everything else has been built around it. And um, And I was there and just thinking about, what it's going to be like. And even that, just the serenity, I, I could just, you know, you, and, and we have that waterfall just constantly going, just constantly going. It, it's just, it brings, brings me the thought of, of living water that just keeps coming, keeps coming, and keeps coming, um, never runs out. And, and i was, I was thinking that you know, th- this is it right here. My hope is in Christ. It- it's not in this world. It's not in whatever this, this world has to offer. N- none of that. That's why it truly saddened me um, to learn about how, and it, by the way, it angered me too. It, it, it angers me now to think about this. How a man by the name of John Steingard from Hawk Nelson could all of a sudden, just out of the blue, just completely turn his back on the Lord and say that he in, in in good conscience cannot say that he truly believes. Um you guys know who Hawk Nelson is? Okay, it, it's a very popular Christian uh band. Um it's been around for quite some time. And uh it it, it angers me because a man who's had the spotlight for so long and gets to the point of, of being and I'll tell you this, being deceived by the enemy to the point to where he completely turns his back on his faith, has the power, unfortunately, of many people, over many people who do not and do not miss this, who do not know the word of God and who do not understand the things of God, and draws them away with doubt, uh, questioning their faith, which was already on shifting sand, because it wasn't on the very word of God. And so it pulls people away. And that's that's why here at Refuge, we make it a point, you know, no, I'm not going to be topical. There's plenty of topics to go over in the Bible. If we, if we present the whole counsel of God, trust me, we'll hit your topic. You know, Because I remember some time ago, you guys don't say it anymore, but why don't we do like a marriage-like series? Why don't we do a, you know, a, like a parenting series? Why don't we do a—and it's like, you know, and at, at the very beginning, I, I must admit that we did go through some of those things, but what was, what was continually before me and what the Lord convicted me of is just simply go through the word and you'll give parenting, you'll give marriage, you'll give uh, friendship, you'll give, you know, work. And all of those things will be all found in the full counsel of God's word. And so we go line by line, chapter by chapter, book by book. Even the Old Testament even Leviticus. Yes. Even Leviticus. I, and you guys know, I was, I was excited about, as we started going through Leviticus and I started studying, I was like, oh, my God. I, I, gosh, I can't wait to, like, deliver this message to you because I have found so much depth in it and, and so much that we can glean from it. But we get so much. The reason there's a reason why I'm spending some time with this, because I just want to give anyone who's watching on Facebook or YouTube, you know, really, the bottom line is study to show yourself approved to God, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's not for me. I mean, that's yes, it's, it's for me to do. But it's. It's your responsibility, each and every one of you, it's your responsibility to pick up the Word of God, to be a student of the Word of God, and to know it. You know, some of the things that he brought up, If God is all-loving and all-powerful, why is there evil in the world? For those of you who know the word, you would have an answer, right? I sure do hope so. How did sin enter? Garden of... Yeah. And it's there that sin entered. When sin entered, brought with it death, disease... Um, you know, and, and, uh, and so some of the things that we, well, we've been given the power to choose, right? That's why as, as children, we learn that power. We do, we can choose, but we also choose to deal with the consequences. And why are there consequences? This is discipline. This is a lesson for us. Why is there discipline? It's to correct us for God loves those whom he disciplines. Why because he corrects them, he straightens them out so that they would walk in the safety of god's uh, god 's will in his in his path right to veer off the path is to is to live and walk in in a path that is full of danger uh, could bring destruction devastation pain suffering unnecessarily so that that's why but we have free will um, and so and there are other questions that uh, he also struggled with. Why does he, God, say not to kill but then instruct Israel to turn around and kill men and women and children to take the promised land? And uh, why does Jesus have to die for our sins, uh, more killing again? So, you know, why, why come up with this? Why, why is that necessary? So as we've gone through the Old Testament, we've gone through this. We've answered these questions. The Canaanites, all of the ites that were living in the promised land before the Israelites came in. I want to cover some of these things with you and perhaps go over them again and cover any questions that you have. Were they these innocent little people who, you know, they followed the Lord and, you know, they were just minding their own business when when God said go in and completely... Uh, take the land that I have given to you, or were they completely opposed to God and offended God it's the latter they weren't these these innocent people that uh, that were just uh, you know loving God and minding their own business. This is a picture this is a picture of how it is that we ought to deal with sin in our lives it, It's a picture of that. How it is that we aren't to, to toy to play with sin? To the it's so cute, you know, it's harmless. Look, it's like Gizmo, you know. I'm dating myself, but you know, <clears throat> and for those kids you don't know Gizmo, but um, look, look them up. Um, gremlins, um, but but it's not. They're not cute. It's not. Sin is is nothing to 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 play with. Why? Because at some point it brings destruction, division. It kills you. Yeah, I mean, there's so much there. So the lessons are there. And some of these questions, by the way, that he's brought up, and he's encouraging, by the way, here's the issue. He's encouraging every believer to wrestle with these questions. If you want to wrestle with it, I hope you know the word of God really well and you only wrestle with it for about 10 seconds and then it's done cuz you've just pinned it. You know, cuz the word of God there's there's nothing that stands to the word of God. Anyway, so much more I I am I'm saddened and it breaks my heart and at the same time it angers me. It really does. So pray for this man and at the same time pray for the I'm thinking thousands of people that do not know the word of God that are wrestling with this very issue uh i'll go back to and mention one man that really rocked me i mean it it broke my heart but I, i was solid in the word at that point bob coy that even to this day just saddens me because um because that, that really messed a lot of people up. And, and I'd have to, I'd hate to be in, in their shoes and be at that place to where so many people were putting their, their trust in them, in him and in this other man and so many others. And, uh, and they've fallen because of that. So I encourage you, read the Word of God, study the Word of God, memorize the Word of God, and understand the Word of God. Just note and don't just go into the New Testament. Please don't read it from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation. The more you read it, the more it'll all come together, and you'll know it, and uh, you'll know you, you'll you'll know how to give an answer for the hope that lies within you when you're asked. All right, so. So we're back to in person. Uh, services Wednesdays, Sundays. Sundays we'll go. We'll do one more eight and ten, and uh, and then at that point we'll see just how how many people we have here. So just so you know, and those who are on Facebook, um, that you know that um, at that point if we if we don't have enough uh, people that come on to both services to where you know we won't be overfilled with just one, then we'll go back to one. But we'll see. We'll see. Maybe this is the Sunday. They were just waiting for May 31st. I know it was. That's what it was. May 31st, and then you guys were going to be knocking the door down, right? Right? <laughs> I sure do hope so, because that's, uh, man, there's nothing like in-person just coming. I mean, um, I, I know the way we've done it, we've, we've uh, separated the, the rows, and so we have plenty of space in between to um, observe the social distancing um we you know if you want to wear a mask you can wear a mask you know it's just all of that that's what we're doing but we are you know going by the guidelines that we have had placed before a cdc guidelines so on and so forth so we we understand that so come on out come on out sunday eight o'clock or ten o'clock all right let's get to our study i thought those were important things to to cover SpaceX did not launch today either. I was waiting for that and saturday they 're going to try it again right Saturday, so hopefully they have good good weather and they 're able to do it again wasn 't in their favor yeah yeah they they were even uh, starting to hunker down because uh, there was uh what tornado watches in the area lightning uh if there's lightning within ten ten miles they can 't uh do it and so on and so forth so uh, hopefully saturday they 're able to, to do that, but just uh just pray for them. Yeah, lightning's not good. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so this evening we are in 1 Samuel chapter 29. I was laughing as I was studying and preparing um, for this evening's message because I I surely thought that uh, we were going to cover two chapters, especially since this chapter is only 11 verses long. Um, <clears throat> but it's, it's comical for me and just to give you a little insight as far as me and my studying of God's word is, you know, I, I have these thoughts in my mind as, and as, and as I'm studying, I'm thinking this and I'm like, okay, so we're going to cover 29 and 30. And then next week we finished up, first uh, Samuel and then go on to second Samuel. No, no, there's, there's plenty here in these 11 verses that God gave us to cover Um, because there is a strong message uh, within it, uh, just within this chapter. And so we're going to just kind of slow down a bit and go through this chapter and really cover it good. So let's pray, and we'll get into our study. Heavenly Father, we once again thank you for your word. And Lord, is, uh, hopefully we've all come to know that the man who builds his life on the rock when the storms of life come, Will not be moved. Lord, that's on your word. I pray, Father, that this would just be a portion, just just be one moment that we spend building upon that foundation, that our very lives are anchored in the very anchor that is immovable, that is beyond the veil, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the very word of God, the Bible. I ask, Father, that you would give us understanding, that by your spirit that he would come and teach us, uh, just giving us insight, illuminate your word for us. Help us to understand and apply it to our lives, that we may be better grounded in our faith and enjoy that grace that we have been given through Jesus Christ. And allow the joy of the Lord to be our strength. That we may be able to give others an answer. When asked about that hope that lies within us. That we could also be corrected. And gently correct each other. When necessary. Father may we be a people. That willingly come to you. And seek you for wisdom. That we ask you for discernment, and that we enjoy walking with you each and every day. I pray this moment that you would speak to us. We pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. So this this evening we're embarking on an odd journey with David. We're continuing that that journey with him. I, last uh, last week we we covered um, how it was that Saul. Uh, you know, we know that he was already, you know, living a, a life that uh, that was a really apart from God. You know, the spirit had departed him some time ago and he wasn't one that sought the Lord genuinely. We would expect that from someone like Saul, but not someone like David. And tonight, unfortunately, we're continuing on this odd journey with with David Now, David and his men, we know at the beginning of uh, the last chapter, chapter 28, uh, we we know that David, when he was asked, asked by King Achish to come alongside him, that he was more than willing to come along with him. And so now David and his men were ready to go into battle with the Philistines, but then they were rejected. We'll see this in this chapter. They were rejected by the lords or the commanders of the army of the Philistines, and they were sent back to Ziklag. Now, In the midst of this rejection, David, and think about this, David was highly offended. And he lightly objects to the king's decision to send him back to Ziklag. But I see this as basically God's sovereign intercession, not allowing his uh, servant um, to continue to move forward without a full understanding that perhaps the Lord is trying to get his attention to go in a different direction. And so I see this. Sometimes we have these nudges in our own lives. We have these convictions, and we ought to just just sit still and just listen. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46. Okay, next week I'm going to give you that test. and you, you, <laughs> Psalm 46.10. That's it. Be still. That's that's uh that's like on posters everywhere. I, I'm sure someone here posted it today on social media. No. <laughs> we do. You know what? Listen. When when we have this conviction of the Lord, we just you know just sh- slow down, slow down. Perhaps the Lord is trying to get your attention to speak to you in the moment, in the situation, about something. And that's God's sovereign intercession. That's what I see here with David. Now, even though things look look bleak and ziklag as as he left it and came back, and we'll touch on that next week, what we need to understand through this whole situation with David is that the Lord was bringing David back to life. You know, sometimes the Lord has to... um, allow us to get into certain situations in order to bring life back to us. We feel like we have just died, like this is the end of the world. And yet that may be the very thing that is bringing us back to the Lord and bringing us back to life. And that's what I see. This whole process, uh, the, the, the things that the Lord is doing with, King, with David, I keep saying King David, but it's not King David, not just yet. We'll wait until 2 Samuel, and then we'll we'll get there, Rawl. So um, but David, he's he's doing uh, this work in in David's life, in his heart. He's preparing him for that time when he is king. So 1 Samuel chapter 29, verse one says, Now the Philistines had had gathered all their forces at Aphek, and the Israelites were encamped by the spring that is in Jezreel. As the lords of the Philistines were passing on by hundreds and by thousands, and David and his men were passing on in the rear with Achish, the commanders of the Philistines said, "What are these Hebrews doing here?" And Achish said to the commanders of the Philistines, "Is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me now for days and years? And since he deserted me, and since he deserted to me." I have found no fault in him to this day. So we're introduced to now them being prepared or making the final, final preparations to go against Israel. These are the Philistines. We know that initially the Philistines had assembled and encamped at Shunem. And the Israelites had assembled and encamped at Gilboa. Now we see them move a bit to, to Aphek. It's, it's described as Aphek for the Philistines and, and Jezreel for the Israelites. They were both. Both of the armies were ready for battle. They were ready to come against each other. Now, some of you have gone through boot camp. The final thing that you do before you were actually deemed a graduate of boot camp, there's one last thing. One last thing to do. For me, it was my company commander presented us to the admiral and all of the officials that were standing in the in the stands they were they were there and 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 they presented each one before them so it's called pass in review this has been going on for thousands of years it's been going on and so it's this beautiful ceremony. It's, it's a formal military ceremony that demonstrates the readiness of the individual companies and platoons, and therefore, as, an, as a whole, the entire army, as they pass in review. And they were doing this with the commanders looking on. The commanders review this, and they deem them ready or not. Now, David and his men were, were ready, and they took up the rear with King Achish, As they all passed by the review stand, at the tail end came David and his 600 men. Now, you got to think about the scene that was going on here. You know, everything was going good. You know, the commanders of the Philistines were like, yep. Yep, that looks good. Sharp. Good. 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 What is this? What is this? David. And his men, and King Achish was there with them. Like, what? What is going on here? It was like, you know, um, a scene where everything is going good until the, the needle on the record, you know, just scratches goes goes across the whole thing. Like, what? What just happened here? It's at that very point that the commanders of the Philistine army they voiced their concern for the inclusion of David and his men. It just didn't fit. Why is David in here? This Hebrew and the Hebrews. Uh, why, they, they just they express disbelief. I, I can't believe that David and his men are actually in this past in, in review. They question why the Hebrew men were there. They saw what David, and listen to this, they saw what David was blind to. They, they saw. This just does not fit. If ever the world tells you, looks at you kind of oddly, and says, this just doesn't fit. Whatever it is, just know that you probably aren't doing the right thing. That you're in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing, saying the wrong things, and participating in what you ought not be participating in. When the world, someone in the world says, yeah, that just doesn't fit. They didn't fit there. They saw what David didn't see. King Akish defended their presence, though. King Akish said that David had proven, uh, you know, he had, he had severed himself from uh, the Israelites and he had come and he'd been with me now for 16 months and he'd proven himself to be loyal. Um, he hasn't done anything uh, opposed to me, against me. In fact, he's a stench to his own people. Remember that David was lying to him. David wasn't really going against against those of southern Judah. He wasn't going against his own people. He was going against the enemies um, that we have, uh, the, the enemies of Israel. And he was coming back and telling King Achish a lie, and that's why King Achish thought, "Oh, he's mine." He's mine forever. He's never going back. Why? Because now he's made himself a stench to his people. So, of, cor- of course, in, in King Achish's eyes, David's good. His loyalty is here. It's now been transferred from Israel to the Philistines. Nothing to question. On the surface, this may not seem like much. But when you begin to think about this whole scene, it actually it just absolutely stinks. It, it's no good. It's an awful scene. It, it's a terrible testimony of where David's heart is. That's what it is. Number one, the commanders of the enemy army identify the oddness of the situation. Clue number one. Number two, the leader of the enemy uh, of, of the Philistine army defends David as loyal to him and saying that David has won his trust, even to the point of trusting him to fight for, on behalf of the Philistines. Clue number two, right? And thirdly, just David is oblivious to far, how far he has gone from the Lord. He's just absolutely oblivious. You, you can see it here. He's just not there. James 4.4 four. It says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Without going any further in this verse, we can stop there and really think about how it is that this is a statement. It's a declaration. It's true. You know, number one, James is is calling those people out who are mixing with the world as if the world is friends with the church the world is okay with Christians, that it's okay for us to, to mix and, and do things. Now, we're in the world, but we're not of the world, meaning that we ought to be people who are separate from the things of the world. That is, you know, the, the way they do things, uh, they're scheming, and, you know, that's not what we ought to do. And if we are doing that, what we're doing is we're playing the harlot. We are being adulterous. For we belong to someone else, and yet we are going in mixing it up with the world, someone else. And so James four four makes it very clear. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Do you not know that? It's a rebuke. It's, it's a rebuke. It's not this kind of just a gentle reminder, you know. I, I just, you know, I don't know if you find it offensive or not, but I just want to... Let you know that, you know, uh, you doing what you're doing. It may not be nice toward God. You know. No. No, no, no. It's, it's very serious. And so he lays out, Do you not know that friendship with the world is an enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. There's no in between. There's no gray area. Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. There's not, hey, kind of think about it, and there's this place in the middle, and we'll see how it all comes out. No, 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 you're either for me or against me. It's not half in and half out. If you're half in, you're all the way out. Now, throughout Scripture, we have warnings about blinding, the blinding effect that impacts those who remain in sin, who are hardened toward the Lord. Be grieved when the world speaks well of you. Jesus said in Luke six twenty six, Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. You know, the false prophets, they had a lot of people that surrounded them, and they were seeking the favor of both uh, in the time of Jesus, the Romans, and the Jewish people. They're like, man, we, we just want the accolades. We want to make sure that we're doing the things that, uh, that really bring pleasure to, to both. And so they were playing both parts. Woe to you. And he said, he was saying this to the Pharisees. Woe to you when all people speak well of you. For so their fathers did to the false prophets. But think about what we're seeing here. Was David grieved? The answer is no. David was not grieved. He was filled, in fact, with pride. Did he not say back in First Samuel 20, 28, verse two? Says there, David said to Achish when he was asked by King Achish to uh, to go out with him in the army. David said to Achish, uh, "Very well, you shall know what your servant can do." And then Achish, of course, responded to David, saying, "Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life." That response, as I pointed out last week, it was a was a response of pride. All right. Now you're going to see exactly what I can do in battle. Not even considering thinking about the fact that this is this is an enemy of Israel that you're going to battle for right here. But it was pride. There was unfortunately this great relationship between the Philistine king and David, the Hebrew, the Hebrew. When you consider the absence of his relationship with the Lord during this time, this is not a good thing. The commanders of the Philistine army kept pushing. Verse 4. But the commanders of the Philistines were angry with him, and the commanders of the Philistines said to him, Send the man back, that he may return to the place to which you have assigned him. He shall not go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he become an adversary to us. For how could this fellow reconcile himself to his Lord? Would it not be with the heads of the men here? Is not this David of whom they sing to one another in dances? Saul struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. Great insight. Great insight by the commanders of the Philistine army. They had this discernment that neither King Achish or David had at the present moment. They didn't agree with King Achish and were telling him to send David back because they would not accept David in battle with them. There is, there is no way that he's going into battle with us, with us. They discerned that the way that David could regain the confidence of King Saul is by coming in within the ranks of the Philistines and, and devastating them from within. Destroying them from within. Turning them and doing whatever he thought necessary to give the Philistines into the hands of the Israelites. Smart. Smart on behalf of the commanders of the Philistine army. But was that, you know, we, we don't have any any reason to believe that David was thinking this way. None at all. You've heard the story of the Tro- Trojan Horse, right? You know the story. Of the Greeks, under the guidance of Odysseus, built a huge wooden horse. You know, the Trojans were actually uh, uh, the people of Troy were um, had been besieged for ten years, and it was it was a complete failure because ten years of being besieged, basically, it, it was a failure. Um, they had enough food for all that time, and you know. It, They definitely didn't do a great job at it. But what they did was something very smart. They left this big wooden horse at the gate of Troy. They left it there. And they went back to their ships and they sailed away. Or so they made it appear, as if they did. Well, the Trojans believed this huge wooden horse was a peace offering to their gods, and thus, for them, it was a definitely a symbol of victory. A victory over the Greeks. And so, what did they do with the Trojan horse? They opened up the gates, and they, they rolled it right in. They thought, man, this is a statue. This is a symbol of our victory right here, right in the middle of our beloved city. They brought it in. Well, that night, this... Um, SEAL Team 6 came out of the middle of the Trojan horse. <laughs> Someone was excited. I don't know who that was. But, um, but no, this, this force, right, came out. These, these men came out from the middle of this, of this horse. And they, they didn't attack everyone. What they did was they went to the gates. As the, the ships sailed back under the cover of the night, they came back and opened up the gates and allowed all of the men to come in and they completely destroyed the city and thus the war was over the commanders knew that this is exactly what could happen if we allow david to go and be in the midst of us while we go and do battle with the very people that they at one point pledged allegiance to there is, there is no way that we're going to do this. They had discernment, especially with this reputation that David had. You know, Saul has struck down his thousands and David is ten thousands. Isn't that even a song? It's one of the, like the, the best sellers. It's been in the top ten for how long? You know what I mean? It's like they still sing that song. They still dance to it. This David, he is renowned. He's a man of war. He is a relentless warrior. And by the way, he is a brilliant commander. There's no way. We refuse to allow him to go to war with us. And there was this discernment. It is good when you walk into the midst of people and they... They quiet down. They're they're no longer telling their jokes or they apologize to you because, you know, they they said a a foul word or something like that. Um, You know, it's good when that happens because you still have that impact. It's that presence that you come in with. You know, the Lord is with you and they know, hey, listen, this guy is uh, this gal is all about the Lord. You know. For them, they did not feel comfortable in allowing the presence of someone that belonged to the Israelites at some point to come in amongst them. There's just this discomfort. That's a good thing. Because they knew that they would be, at some point, destroyed from within. Now, King Achish was forced to go talk to David and, uh, and dismiss him. So, under the pressure of the lords of the Philistines or the commanders... He was forced to go and talk to David and uh, and dismiss him. So he did. And verse uh, 6, as we continue, says, Then Achish called David and said to him, As the Lord lives, you have been honest and uh, to me. And to me, it seems right that you should march out and in with me in the campaign. For I have found nothing wrong in you from the day of your coming to me to this day. Nevertheless, the Lords do not approve of you. So go back now and go peaceably that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. Let's so stop there for a moment. So David gets rejected in these verses. He gets rejected as King Achish comes back to him and gives him word. He tries to dismiss him in a kind of a soft way, a gentle way. He says, hey, listen, in between you and I, there's, there's nothing going on. You've done nothing against me. You've only proven yourself to be loyal. And so th- there's nothing That I can see, in fact, I trust you. I had invited you to come out to be a part of the army and and uh, and yet this displeases uh, the Lord, This displeases the commanders. They're they're not in agreement. Um, And so, David, you got to go back. You got to go back to Ziklag. And so he was forced to withdraw. This is King Achish. He was forced to withdraw his initial offer to join him in battle under the pressure of uh, his commanders that were under him. Now, this was just, again, just a a very odd journey that David was on. It's, It's a crazy situation that David found himself in. As you think about how he had previously been so zealous for the Lord that he took a sling and a stone and slayed the giant of the Philistines. This is the kind of the background that we always ought to have there when we're thinking about this story, that he was so zealous for the Lord that at one point he thought, who is defying the God, the, the Lord, the God Almighty of God's people? Who is doing this? Which, in other words, he was telling the guys, uh, the Israelites, what's wrong with you? Why, aren't, why isn't someone going and doing this? And he was willing to do that. He was willing to go. And in fact, we know the story. He ran to Goliath and took him out with one sling and one stone. Just one shot. But now he was afraid to displease the lords of the Philistines. My, how things turn, right? He was so willing at this point to go against his own people. That's another thing that just baffles me. When people are so willing to go, I mean, it's like, uh, brother, and sister, brother, brother, sister, sister. Why are you doing that? Why are you going against each other like as if you're, you're enemies, you're at odds? Like, what is wrong with you? By this, all people, I'll bring you back to one simple verse. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. By the love that you have for one another. And if you're showing anything other than that. Then you're displaying something different than what that verse says. Right? Amen? Amen. So David was so willing to go against his own people. I was just like crazy. Why? Sometimes the best thing to say is nothing at all. That's just free advice in regards to social media, especially. Okay, just to, I'm just gonna throw it out there. It is sometimes. Trust me, I have sinned and fallen short of the grace of God. I have, you know, because we're so we're so quick. We can say something on there, right? It's like we can strike and then like retreat, and yet that's. That's not what we ought to do. So, we need to be careful lest we too fall into a pit of blindness. And we get to the point to where we're willing to do what David was so willing to do and be a part of. We need to be very careful. John chapter 2, verses 9 through 11 says, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. 1 John 2, 9 through 11. Consider what could blind you so badly. This is where I wanted to slow down. This is, these are This is one of those moments within this message that I wanted to just slow down a bit. You know, because I I want for us to consider what could blind you so badly that you can't even see your own sin. So turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. funny I didn't tell my wife this but earlier we were talking about um, something that surrounded this and, and I referred to this and uh, so it was fresh in my mind and the Lord brought it to my attention but Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 says now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality impurity sensuality idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, here's the list, but remember that he says in things like this, Things like these. So we can get hung up on to where, well, it, it's not in the list. Yeah, but, but it says very clearly in, in things like these, okay? It's amazing how we try and justify, right? It's like, it didn't say that specifically. But it says here that the works of the flesh are evident. In other words, they're, they're cl- clearly visible, you know, when you see something, it's like, Azus, it's evident that you're here. It's like, it's obvious that you're here. No, it really is. Like, you're right right there. They're right there, right? It's like, this This list, it's like, these things are evident. They're evident that they're works of the flesh. It's not something to where, yeah, but, you know, it's like, um, you know, God made me this way, and, you know, I just... You don't know the circumstances that surround it. No, no, no. It doesn't really matter. It says these are the works of the flesh. So let's confess that they are, uh, you know, agreeing that they are. Why? Because this is truth and our opinions, if they're opposed to this, are not truth. You know, they're just opinions. And if they're against us, then they're false. So the works of the flesh are evident. But I wonder, who are the works of the flesh evident to? The one in the midst of them, oftentimes not right. Those are the very people that have no, or they, they've, they've justified it so much in their own heart that they can't even see it. To everyone else around him, though, trust me, you know you y'all are seeing. It's like Raul doesn't even know. It's like, why can't he see what we see? because I'm in the middle of it and you need to just tell me. If I'm not seeing it, be a good brother or sister. Just say, hey, listen, what you just did was like awful. What's what's wrong with you? You're the pastor. You know, you should be setting a better example. I'll slow down. (laughs) Because I did speed the other day. So my my confession. Yeah, Yeah, see? But they're evident. These things are evident to everyone else. But the person who's in the middle of them, who's just immersed in it, for some reason we're just blinded. Which goes back to the fact that sin blinds us. It has that blinding effect in our lives. That's what it does. It blinds us. It seems to me, and to me it's apparent and very evident, that the Lord warns about this blindness that we can come to know personally when we're in the middle of our own sin. It's, it's a warning. This is why we have others who should be willing to warn us and help us to be restored. If you have any question about that, look to Galatians 6, 1. It says that very clearly. So don't be afraid to warn, but just go gently to that person. And hopefully they receive it. Now, I also want to cover Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Because this is something that, uh, well, this is... One of the verses that, that the world definitely loves to quote. They know scripture too. Remember that Satan knows scripture very, very, very well. So Matthew chapter 7 verse 1. Jesus speaking says, Judge not that you be not judged. Have you heard that one before? Yeah. yeah. So let's go on though. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay, so what's that measure? It's, it's the word of God. So it's a true measure. We just need to be careful. The Lord is warning. Just be careful. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So we can't miss that last verse there. Uh, He does start out by saying, you hypocrite, but it says first, so step one, Step one, here's, methodically, we can go through this. Step one, take the log out of your own eye. Can you imagine coming in, hey, I want to take the speck out of your own eye. And, and it's like, man, is that a telephone coming out of your eye? You know, so first, consider your own. Maybe perhaps you've fallen short in the same area. So what you need to do is, is number one, confess, but, or end. You go to that person anyway. You still go. They can't use this, by the way, and say, you have no right to come to me and judge me. Like, actually, yes, I did. The Lord, um, he actually judged my sin, and I confessed it to the Lord, and I, I agreed with him, and I repented. So I turned. So. It says here, so first I took the log out of my own eye. I understand I had, I had this, this pole sticking out of my eye. But then and now I see clearly. Perhaps what I first initially thought was a pole sticking out of your own eye was actually just a speck. And now I can see it. I can help you remove it. Will you allow me to come alongside you and remove it? Because I stand humble, humbled before the Lord. I was humiliated. And that's a good thing. Because now, as I was convicted of my sin, I was able to repent. And, and I'm, I'm right with the Lord in that sense. And, and now I'm able to help you out. Will you let me help you out? As you continue on through this chapter, in fact, it, it talks about fruit inspectors. In uh, chapter 7 of Matthew, in verse 15 through 20, it talks about you will recognize them by their fruits. So obviously, we ought to know how to judge, but we ought to know how to judge rightly. And then approach our brothers or sisters in a gentle way and in a true way and just in a loving way, right? So that's what we ought to do. I wanted to slow down a bit to kind of just talk about what is going on here with with David. David is blinded at this point. He can't see. But this thing about sin, it has a tendency to completely blind us to our own sin. But we have each other that hopefully we have each other's backs. And and we can, therefore, be there for each other and help each other along. That, hey, when I've fallen, you help me get up. When you've fallen, I'm, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to help you get, get back up. That is what a church family is all about. Not quitting. Not, not hey, I see that group over there. They're just a bunch of losers, you know. They just keep going and sin, and they can't even see what they're doing. I'm leaving. That's it. No. The whole church is better off when we deal with sin, we, when, we, when we confront it, and, and we, we are restored when we're reconciled in our relationships, and then we continue to grow. Guess what will happen when the next group of people come in, and they're sinners, and they just they don't know what they're doing and all that. Oh, there's more people that can go to them gently and say, hey, you know, let's go to Bible study, and let's learn what the Word of God has to say. Let's grow in the Lord, that the Lord may con- bring conviction, that the word of God would be their wisdom, that they may apply in their lives, that the Lord would make that, that lasting change in them. And we bring them along. That's what starts happening within God's people. So just something that I wanted, again, to address here as we really uh, consider what David was going through, and just the reason why I'm spending a little more time in this area is because this is a battle ultimately for the soul. And it's a battle for the heart of the believer. You see, the devil may not be able to condemn you once you belong to Jesus, but he sure can make you ineffective if he gets you to fall and believe that you should never get back up. We should always get back up. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Remember God's grace. There's nothing that God's grace cannot cover. If you but come to him in humility and ask him for forgiveness, he'll forgive you. He is the lifter of our heads. He embraces us and can't wait to, to just bring you back up and let's walk again, son. Let's walk again, daughter. Let's keep going. Keep going. Don't give up. Keep going. You can become ineffective and even fight, unfortunately, on behalf of the enemy, as we see here with David, if you get utterly deceived by the enemy. David, I believe, is a great example of what can happen. At one time, he was slaying the giant of the Philistines, and now he was willing to fight on behalf of the Philistines. Now, let's see how David responded in this place that he was in. So, verse 8 says, And David... I said to Achish, but what have I done? What have you found in your servant from the day I entered your service until now, that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my lord, the king? And Achish answered David and said, I know that you are as blameless in my sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the commanders of the Philistines have said, he shall not go up with us to battle, to the battle. Now then, rise early in the morning with the servants of your lord who came with you and start early in the morning, and depart as soon as you have light. So David set out with his men early in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines, but the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Now, David is clearly disappointed at what King Achish had come to tell him, that he was not going into battle, and he needs to go back to Ziklag. He needs to go back. Take your men and go back to Ziklag. And David he, he showed this great disappointment. And David was lightly, he was making his case, and he did do it lightly. I'm glad that David did it lightly. He didn't insist on it. He did not nothing. He didn't do any of that. But, but he did make his, his case that he had been nothing but good to the Philistines and the king especially. He was loyal to him. What, what have I done? And he said, no, you've been blameless before me. Um, in fact, he called him, he said that uh, you, in my sight, you're an angel of God. Right? King akish Oh, the things that the enemy can say. And just to kind of tickle your ear and, and to, to satisfy you to like, oh, yeah, you know, that's me. You know, and, and it gives you just a little more energy to keep going on behalf of the enemy. Oh, what the enemy can say. In fact, when he first started addressing David, um, he said, as the Lord lives. Did you did you notice that? Oh, as the Lord lives. You know, you have been honest. And, uh, and and to me, it seems right that you should march out and in with me. You know, and he said all these things to him. This is the enemy talking to David. The enemy. So David was a little disappointed and uh, he was clearly disappointed. Now, remember earlier that I said that God sovereignly interceded on behalf of David and made it especially difficult for him to follow through on his desire to go into battle with, the, with King Achish? I, I'd said that. I'd pointed it out. And, and so now we see it, how it is that, you know, he, he gave discernment, I believe, to the commanders of the Philistine army, and uh, then they sent King Achish to go talk to David. And David, you know, although he was disappointed, um, he did go back to ziklag with his men. There are times when God is trying to get our attention and get us to think, just think, think about what we're doing. Think about what we're wanting to do in order to personally choose to do the right thing over the wrong thing. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46, 10. All right. (laughs) because God desires that a person choose to do what is right on their own. The Lord may do this thing. Check out what he does. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the Apostle Paul says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with every temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So every single point of temptation comes with an escape door out the back. You just got to look for it. You got In that moment, you got to look for it. You may be like Joseph, you know, in, in that moment to where Potiphar's wife came and grabbed a hold of him. He was even willing um, to run off with no clothes on because Potiphar's wife had the clothes in her hands. But he was willing to just go. He wanted no part in that. But listen a temptation comes there is some way of escaping from it some way because the lord said so just got to look for it uh jot down though all because although he says this jot down romans 118 and 24 because this is what happens when we insist on going against the lord Because in Romans 118, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So we are able to suppress the truth. And then in verse 24, it says, Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring, uh, the dishonoring of their bodies and among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And so there, the danger is this, and the the Bible warns against it. Yes, he gives us a way of escape. If we, if we knowingly do not take that way of escape, at some point our consciences are cleared and he gives us over to what we've so desired in our hearts that he just gives us over to those lusts, but rest assured that he will he will judge that he will judge that consider the fact that david pushed back a bit he was fighting for his opportunity to go fight on behalf of the enemy and this revealed the con- the condition of his heart the battle for your mind is real if you give up your thoughts your heart will follow and your actions will confirm and establish where you really are. After a while, you don't have to say a word because your life tells it all. I'll leave you with this, and I think we've touched on this before. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We always do. We thank you for speaking to us this evening. I pray, Lord, that uh, whatever it is that you had to speak to us regarding that we heeded your word and, Lord, that we would be reminded of it time and time again, perhaps this evening, perhaps throughout the rest of the week at various times, Lord, when we so need your word and a reminder of what we covered this evening. Father, I pray that your spirit would give us remembrance of it. That we would. If it's a word of warning, we would be warned at the moment. If it's just a word of wisdom, that we would be wise in applying it correctly in that time of need. Whatever it is, Lord, that we need, that you would use this, Lord, to your glory. And so, Father, your servants here, I pray a blessing over refuge in every ear and heart that was open to you this evening to hear and listen from you. In Jesus' name we pray.